Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to the P13 Podcast. Yeah, we're back. You might be wondering, where did we go? Well, a few things happened. Uh, I, myself, was out of town visiting the, my motherland of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada for one of my best friend's wedding and eating a lot of home-cooked Filipino food. Shout out to mom and pops. So, therefore, I was unable to host this podcast. However, we did attempt to record an episode before we left but there were some unfortunate technical difficulties which led us to having to scrap a week of recordings it was a good streak we were 60 episodes strong until that past week but sometimes you know that's how the cookie crumbles i I can tell you for one thing me and Thomas are a little bit disappointed in that however you can't control some of these factors correct that's correct. Yeah, I uh, will will re-release that episode. I'll reshoot it at some point because I do think it was a good one. It's frustrating that it happened, but I'm not going to dive too deep into it because it's only going to make me mad. And uh, we're just moving on, you know? That's all we can do. Keep on keeping on, you know? Again, we apologize for that missed episode. Thank you again for the continued listening of this podcast. We hope you all can forgive us, but... You can always gain perspective on such a thing. So we can use this opportunity to start a new streak. Think of this as season two of the P13 podcast. We're going to keep the same photo just for purpose sake. We're not going to switch it out every season. This is the same photo at the moment. And what better way to kick off this season with the topic that we're talking about today, which is leveling up after a setback. So with that being said, I'm also going to start a new trend here. Last season was soulful, deep voice artists. I think we're going to go with long-haired, famous people. So the man with the Jason Momoa-like hair, Mr. Thomas Conway, would you like to take it away on this season two? Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, take the mic here. Literally, because that's another thing I want to point out, that this episode similar to the solo one that I tried to do last week that didn't work out, is being recorded from Project 13 Gyms. We're actually getting some video too, and we look like a couple of high school kids in our grandparents' basement. That's kind of the setting for this this episode. Wanted to give you a feel for the space, the vibes, so that you feel like you're here with us. Um, and uh, thank you to Mr. Calla for uh, claiming that my hair is Jason Momoa-like. I mean, it is feathery and lethal, but I'm not sure if it's Jason Momoa level. It's definitely not the length, but it was one day, and I don't think it'll ever get back there. That was that was too long. Side note, if you hear any sirens, we're off Polk and Bush Street, so if you do want to come and work out, you will still hear some sirens around this area. Yeah, our members know how it gets around here. Um But yeah, so, and we also only have one mic, so we're passing it back and forth. We're passing the mic, um, like a couple of, uh, on the left-hand side, on the left-hand side, I'm going right. If I go left, there's nobody there, but passing the mic, as they say in some songs, I feel like that's a common thing that, uh, maybe rappers say, is that, Uh, I think so. Pass the mic, pass me the mic, pass me the mic, homeboy, I'm hot, or pass me the rock, homeboy, I'm hot. That's a, 
that's a that's in a song i don't know who the artist is um i don't think so pass me the rock oh boy i'm hot we'll look it up somebody somebody uh somebody drop us a dm about what song that is that has that in there but yeah so to the topic at hand we've talked about injury before in the past and we did a a few episodes on injury or setbacks or something similar but one of the things we like to do with the p13 podcast is share with you our experiences as they're happening in real time so to make a long story short i experienced a setback uh, a little bit ago in brazilian jiu-jitsu and i yeah don't know exactly what it is it's hard to hard to really um know what it is unless you go and get imaging and all that bullshit and i'm not going to waste my time doing that may have been a herniated disc bulge disc whatever it may be and so for the last like seven weeks have been kind of diving into coming back from that injury and healing from that injury and so that kind of spurred the or was the inspiration that spurred this episode Ooh, we're going big screen now you can't really see that but or you listeners can't see that but cal just put us up on the big screen first of all as we mentioned in the injury episodes, it is something that does happen, you know, and I think oftentimes people look at myself and Calla and think, oh, like you probably never get injured or whatever. And the reality is that we, we do and we can, and this isn't the first time that I've been injured and it probably won't be the last. Um, but all we can do is understand that each injury is like a learning opportunity and a way that our body is telling us that hey we need to get stronger in a in a specific area and we need to move better in a specific area i know cala talked about somewhat recently he had an injury to his foot playing basketball so you know it it just it can happen especially when you're involved in maybe dynamic activities that kind of push your push your body and test your limits and that's kind of the other again talking about how injury does happen Yes, there are things you can do to mitigate it. You can do things in your training to try to mitigate injury and reduce the chance of it happening. And we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that down the line. But the reality is if you do like to push your body and use your body in a multitude of ways that you are likely at a higher probability of getting injured than someone that really just plays it safe, right? And we've talked about that in the past as well. If that's if you just want to be really healthy and play it safe, like that's certainly something you can do, but just understand that, um, I guess what it comes down to for me is like, do I want to get the most out of life and my body or do I want to just like chill and not push the boundaries and not have fun in my mind? A lot of things that I do pushing the boundaries is fun. So that's the other thing to keep in mind. And I was, again, this happened in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I was new to that sport. I was only six months in and I dove into it pretty heavy, pretty quickly, which I tend to do with almost everything that I pursue, which is possibly why this might happen. And that's the other thing. There's nothing wrong with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in terms of like, is it bad for you? I don't think that's the way to look at it. I think that really what it comes down to is the stimulus that I was receiving from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was more than I had trained my body to tolerate. So, and I'll reiterate that, that that's what can happen or that's how injury does happen is that whatever it is that you're doing is just a greater stimulus than your body can 
tolerate at that moment. And it, it's interesting that you say that because it's always thinking about how do I plan for that stress? Am I right? Like if I wanted to do the Brazilian jiu-jitsu or I'll take my case, for example, with my with playing basketball, I sprained my posterior tib. Um, unclear if there's still more damage, but that's still left to be heard of right now. But going back to my example, my body was maybe not prepped up for that. And the load or like you were saying is the the demand for what that sport needed means you have to train beyond those limits so that when you get into those positions, your body can adapt or your body will be able to sustain whatever is needed to complete that sport. Does that sound close to what? That's hundred percent correct. And like, if I think back to you getting into basketball, I would say that you dove into it like pretty, pretty hard, pretty quick as well, yeah. you know, cause you had been off the court for a bit and you were super excited to get back into it. And I remember you telling me, you know, a couple of the first times you went out, like that you played for like, what, a couple hours? Yeah. Yeah. So played for a couple hours and that's going from zero basketball yeah. to then a couple hours of basketball. Similarly to me of like going from zero jujitsu to, you know, sometimes those sessions, depending on how much I sparred would be 90 minutes. Right. So I think that that's the other thing that we got to keep in mind when we're talking about not just like re- returning from an injury, but just this also applies to just getting into something new. I think people and ourselves included, especially if it's something that we enjoy, we just have a tendency to get into it, to want to get into it really, really quickly and really heavy. You know, if you find something that you love to do, you're like, I want to do it all the time, but we have to remember that the body does take time to adapt. And so when I feel like we learn this lesson over and over again, it's, you got to start conservatively. You got to ramp up slowly, but if you follow that approach, you can get to the point where you're doing some pretty incredible physical feats, right? And it's having that foresight of understanding that that will come with time that can be really helpful. And with that being said, like it's, you never really know, you can still do all that prep work and still not know where that injury may have been the cause of, or if it's directed to how you were prepping for that or like anything like that injury can kind of just pop in at any given moment and you can prep everything you want, but unfortunately things happen. You never know if, Hey, maybe if I should, you can always look back and have the, was it 2020 hindsight. 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 Captain hindsight's always 2020. Captain hindsight's always 2020. It's always, and it's always frustrating to think of like, of, of looking back of, Oh, maybe I could have done this better. I could have done, done that better. But again, you don't know how your body's going to react. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And you can, um, like you said, even, even, uh, taking the right approach and going slowly and all that stuff. Um, you can still have things happen. And I think that's the other side of the conversation to think about is, um, if you're going to pursue a lot of these things, you have to be okay with the possibility that something may happen. And when that does happen, like, you know, you can't be, and this is a, uh, internal dialogue that I often have with myself with when something like this happens is like, 
oh, I was so stupid. Like, why did I do that? And blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff, which really isn't that helpful. And also it's like, I should have had more of a conversation with myself before of look, if you pursue this, understand this can happen. And if it does also too, it's not the end of the world, but be okay with the fact that it did happen and then move forward from it and focus on what you need to do to get stronger and to get back to doing the things you want to do. So now we've talked about the injury happening or get leading things leading up to the injury. What is it now when it comes to leveling up from these setbacks? Like what, what are things that we can do? Or like, what are, th- what are things that have come up in your life, Thomas, um, that has come from the setback that you recent recently occurred? Yeah. Anytime this does happen, it really creates like pause for reflection and thinking about if I really think about, um, the time leading up to when this happened again, hindsight is always 20, 20, but I am not surprised that it happened. I'll put it that way. Leading up to it, I had increased the amount that I was sparring and my body was like incredibly sore. And a few weeks prior to this incident, I had had a weekend where like my, my back and like my core was just like kind of wrecked. And for those of you that practice jujitsu, that that can be, that can be a thing. And so again, hindsight being 2020, what I probably should have been or should have done at that point was just taking a step back for a couple of weeks. I think that's the other problem that we can run into is the way that I am in my mind is like, I think like I cannot miss a session. I cannot miss a session because that's going to hinder my growth. But what I should have, again, had a little more foresight on is, hey, if I take these next two weeks off when like my body was really actually sending me signals of like, hey, you need to kind of take a break for a moment, then that that's going to help me continue to practice that for years and years instead of just like for a couple more weeks until I really experience something that makes me have to kind of hit the sidelines. But at the same time being like, Could I have done things differently? Sure, but it doesn't matter at this point. So the other thing is I think this time around, I'm really have kind of like changed my mindset and my approach to the way I'm thinking about it. And instead of dwelling on what could have been thinking more about what can be done in this moment. So I guess kind of coming from that, from that thought, you know, I kind of sat down and was like, Hmm, how's my movement right now leading up to this? And if I was being honest, like I had started to lose some movement capabilities. I think like I'd gotten a little stiffer and, you know, my training outside of jujitsu had been lacked focus, I guess you could say. And so I took a step back and was like, all right, so what are some things that I want to improve that I think would improve the resiliency of my body? And I've been doing a lot of like in the gym weight training for the last couple of years, which is great, but I think that can also what's the word I'm looking for? Not dogmatic, but it can like narrow your capabilities down to, and and we've talked about this before, like the gym is an environment that is very controlled, right? So it limits your capabilities 
down to just being able to do these things that are like incredible feats, maybe of strength and all that stuff, but in an extremely controlled environment, right? Which if I'm thinking about, you know, the, the injury or setback that I experienced in jujitsu, it was in an uncontrolled environment. A lot of random things happening with your body, you know, so like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if I think about training in the gym, well, does that actually prepare me for something like that or, or, and not even just limiting it to jujitsu, but just when you go about your day, there's all kinds of random stuff that happens that you got to, that you got to respond to and adapt to in that moment. So even having a a kid, having a kid for sure. Like if he, falls off something and I try to catch him which happens frequently he's quite a daredevil for those of you that have seen him in the gym hanging on the rings so yeah so I and and also around this time I turned 34 years of age 34 years young thank you um a lot of people say I still look like 28 so I'll take it so I kind of took a step back and was like all right so what do I want the year of 34 to entail what do I want to be able to do by the time I turn 35 so I've kind of developed a little list of things that I want to do. And I was having this conversation with Joe and Elena, a shout out you two on Friday. I think that's Joe's first shout out Ooh. in the P13 podcast. So I think she's had maybe a few. I think she's had maybe a few. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's asked a few questions. Yeah, that's right. So Joe, welcome to the P13 podcast shout out squad. But yeah, so we were talking and I, I kind of told them, uh, which was kind of, kind of a funny uh, way of explaining it. They both thought it was pretty comical, but by the time I turned 35, like I kind of just want to be a specimen. So what does that entail? One could say, maybe I'll be able to breathe underwater like he did in Aquaman, even though the CGI graphics were not that great, but who's really paying attention? I do. It's got to get a little more long and curly, but so, you know, what does that entail? Well, just some things that I kind of randomly thought of, and this is not a all-inclusive list, but be able to dunk. I think that'd be kind of cool. Run a sub 55 second 400 meter. I had to spend some time looking. I know maybe I won't, maybe I won't get there. Maybe I set the bar too high, but I looked up like, I looked up like, what are good times for 400 meter? What I came back with was 50 under 50 seconds is good. That's like elite status though. That's should I change it to a minute? No, no, no. I, 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 you've already set this goal. Let's keep it. I think I can do it. I think I can do it. Have you ran a 400 before is my question. Ever in my life? Ever. No. It's a terrible race. I know. But I've done other terrible endurance, like power endurance efforts. So that's not going to be the issue in terms of like capacity and mindset. That's not going to be the issue. The actual issue is just going to be, do I actually have the speed or not? <laughs> Which we'll find out. I'll, I'll share it all out with you when I turn 35. I'm going to do it. This might be the new Instagram story. Yeah. And then also hold a five-minute wall sit uh, and then perform a back handspring. Ah. Those are some just goals. Well, you can back bridge. I think a back handspring is not too far away from you. Yeah. yeah. But that's, again, well, so now segueing into the next part of the conversation, all those things are things that I can't do now from a – physical capability perspective but then also coming back from the setback those are things that I really have no business attempting at this point in basically the rehab process 
So I've also kind of set those goals to be like, okay, if you want to get those, like those are kind of the carrot at the end of the stick, so to speak. If I want to get those, I got to do the necessary foundational work to be able to have a foundation to then do those things. So then that takes me to, well, this is the great segue is, I feel like we're full of a lot of great segues on here. We might as well just so, just yeah. Just not say, drive them off a cliff. Yeah, oh, that, that was, was that you who brought that up that last time? Yeah. That's, that's right. I think it's a true story. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so then the approach, what's your approach with all of these newfound goals? So as I mentioned, these are things that I have, I'm not even close to right now from a physical perspective, but then also from, again, rehabbing. So starting with building a foundation, first thing is start simple. You know, that's the first thing I think people need to keep in mind. I think people can tend to complicate things really quickly and they don't have to be. You can basically look at like, so an example for me, ever since this happened, like left hip flexion for me is not good. Um, that is something that is certainly holding me back from doing more advanced things. And so it's like, okay, well, if my left hip doesn't flex well, how can I make that better? I mean, fortunately for me, in my mind, I have a lot of experience, so I I have some go-tos that I can try. Um, but also paying attention to, okay, if I try one thing and that creates more pain, be like, okay, well, how can I find a position or a movement that allows me to work on flexing my hip without experiencing any pain or discomfort. So just like think of it really simply, if you're trying to get something to do something better, just try to have that thing do it more, right? Which I think people don't really, again, they tend to overlook it or they tend to overcomplicate it or ignore it or, you know, be like, oh, my left hip doesn't flex well. Well, let's just do like goblet squats. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe that like is helpful or that works. But there are probably some other things that you can do that would address the issue more directly and specifically. So start simple and and also too, it goes into like redeveloping simple movement capabilities. So just some things that uh, that are basic like crawling, right? Skipping, jumping, the ability to move with flow. So like, uh, you know, what would ex- an example of that? Well, it, uh, one example would be our hip flow. Shout out Alicia for shouting out hip flow. lot happening. Lots of shout outs, lots of new shout outs too, but also the ability to, yeah, move with flow. So like, um, being able to get somewhere like with the least amount of friction. That's yeah. Well, yeah. And so another example could be, I mean, I just thought of this cause of like chasing my kid, uh, like there are times where he crawls under things under barriers and I have to like crawl under them as well. So the ability to do that kind of effortlessly and again with like flow, I think is something that is, that is underlooked in the movement world, but very valuable very valuable uh, someone makes a great post like that bearded guy uh, some bearded guy on youtube and he's always beard the, be. beard the best you can be that's the guy and if you've ever seen his videos i mean you can probably explain this better than i can but. yeah shout out to beard i've met him a few times he's he's a funny dude but yeah so he 
he creates a lot of videos because there's videos on Instagram that are like green check mark or red X in terms of like how to do a movement correctly and how to do it incorrectly. And he's of the mindset that, and I would agree with this is that there's no such thing as a bad movement. It's just unprepared bodies performing these movements. And so he has some pretty funny videos of him doing daily. Yeah. What would you, you would say daily activities like opening the fridge or putting something up in a cabinet or picking up a water bottle bottle and doing it in like perfect anatomical form. And it looks really comical because that's just not how people move, right? Someone drops a water bottle. They're not going to do a perfect hinge to get down and pick it up. They're likely going to round in their back, which is, which is fine. Like our bodies are designed to do that, right? Like that's how we That's how we move through our environment for such a long period of time. So that's kind of another example of moving with flow, being able to move in a lot of different ways, unrestricted. Um, Then the second thing in terms of building a foundation is checking on your checking on your frame of mind. So in the past, I think I had assumptions when this would happen that this is just kind of who I am. I'm just, you know, a guy that has a has a not great back and sure maybe people are predisposed to certain things more than others but I know and and through my experience like I have gotten to times where like my my back is like not even really a thought like it moves well it's strong you know so this idea of my back is weak I think is a flawed mindset and something that if someone is experiencing this they need to work on changing And oftentimes actually what is the case is people that do experience like in the case of actual like low back pain, their backs are actually really strong and their backs tend to do more things. And that can actually be one of the reasons that they experience pain. So yeah, checking on that mindset. So now I'm taking more of, of an approach of, again, this, this happened, there's nothing I can do to change it in the past. All I can do is use it as a learning opportunity, use it as as it should be with my body telling me, Hey, like something is, something is off. There's something that you need to address in your training, in your life and taking that sign from my body and, and understanding my body's capability to heal. And then my body does want to heal as well. It's always going to move towards that. It's not, you know, the body wants to be in a state of homeostasis. So it's not just going to want to be injured and what you do Uh, And how you choose to move forward will determine if it kind of sticks with you or if you can kind of work through it. Then just like thinking about things that aid in healing or pull you away from healing. Things that can certainly aid in healing. Paying attention to your sleep. Are you getting good quality sleep? Um, You know, that's something I've been focusing on. I just took like a week off of caffeine and saw improvements in sleep. So creating, creating time or creating a the opportunity to get good sleep, I think is important. Number two, nutrition. Uh, so that certainly plays a part in how your body's going to heal. There's a guy, shout out to uh, Dr. Tommy John. He does a lot of work in, well, he's a chiropractor. So he does a lot of work in, has a lot of experience in healing himself, healing others, but he'll talk about some of these, some of these important elements too. But so like nutrition, so like he'll talk about like eating a little bit more if your body is injured. And we've talked about that a few uh, a few times on this podcast as it relates to injury. So if your body's injured, yeah, you might need to actually eat a little bit more. So your body has everything it needs to heal. Third thing is movement. So 
this I think is a big one. And I've worked with a lot of people that have this belief that if something happens, they just need to rest. And while rest is important important and valuable, I think people take it too far the other way and actually stop moving like all together. And they think that's rest yet. They'll continue to do their like stressful job and like all that other stuff. So it's like, you're not resting. You're just not moving. So yeah, like I think that people who have experienced an injury actually need to move more than the average person that's quote unquote healthy because movement is like the language of the body, right? And the more that you can create those channels of communication, the more that the body is one going to like in that affected area is going to heal and also be told like this area is actually okay and healthy, right? It's communication with the brain. So yeah, that movement is very, very important. If you just like are like, oh, I'm just going to be bedridden for a month and it'll just heal itself. I mean, sure, it'll get better because the body, again, just wants to wants to heal. It's just going to always move towards that. But you're going to get done with that month and be incredibly stiff and like locked up and have lost other movement capabilities and all that stuff. So you got to you got to keep moving. And a unique example of that is like frozen shoulder for those who have like dislocated shoulders. Like they, if they, I mean, my dad had that a little bit in his older age, for sure. He dislocated his shoulder, oddly enough, running on a treadmill, slipped and fell at the YMCA, shout out them. <laughs> so he had a little dislocated shoulder and went to rehab, got it fixed and was given a ton of these exercises to do, but had the resistance of not doing it because he was always feeling in pain and now into a few years down the line it's hard for him to reach over his head so i mean if that those are just some of the example that's one extreme example but for sure if like for example herniated disc if you just decide to stop i mean what potential risks are you going to put yourself in future down the line yeah i mean that's exactly right and and also too the so the body is, like I said, the body is always trying to heal. So any, any injury that anybody ever has for the rest of your life, your body is trying to con- continuously trying to repair that. So even scars, like scars, if you pay attention, I mean, well, I mean, people probably don't pay that much attention to their scars, but they continue to get better even as you get older even as you get further away from the initial incident that created the scar. So that's a never ending process until you die, but your body will always continue to heal. Additionally, like if it's a tissue related injury, the body will lay down scar tissue. And if you don't use that language of movement to tell the body what orientation to lay the tissue in, you're likely going to have that area be more locked up. Because when scar tissue is used to repair an area, if that area is not being told what direction it needs to move. So take your bicep. If you tear your bicep, if you don't, as it's healing, regularly take it through flexion and extend the elbow through flexion and extension, and you just keep it locked in place, the scar tissue cells are not going to, they're going to show up and just randomly place tissue, right? Because that communication is not directing where the tissue should go so that's another important reason why you got to continue to move that area then the mindset again like i talked about earlier having the mindset that your body will heal right that's important belief is very important emotions are also another language of the body 
and thoughts lead to emotions, not the other way around. So whatever you think is going to create an emotion and that emotion is going to create a cascade of release of neurotransmitters and hormones and all that stuff that's going to dictate what happens or what doesn't happen in the healing process. And then like something like meditation can be helpful too. Using that to reduce your levels of stress. Um, and again, I mentioned that I stopped drinking caffeine last week because that's kind of one thing I noticed and I think can be very common in people is when you're trying to heal, um, you would want to try to get your body to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest uh, and digest side of your nervous system, which is also going to promote healing. And so with that, like trying to reduce the amount of time your body spends in a sympathetic state and uh, something like caffeine or stimulants can push you into that state. So if you're chronically caffeinated, then are you actually spending any time in parasympathetic, right? So that would be one thing too, that would interfere with healing is overuse of stimulants, which could then impact sleep and basically things that other things that can interfere with healing is like doing the opposite of what we just mentioned for each category of movement, mindset, nutrition, and sleep. So getting not the appropriate amount of all those, but then another thing could be increasing load too quickly or increasing intensity too quickly. Again, taking the mindset of going back to basics. If all you can do is like crawl, then like just do a shit ton of that. And then not creating the space for healing. Like, like I mentioned, like people being like, yeah, I just stopped moving for a period of time, but it's like, okay, well, are, did you also take a little time off work? Did you also do other things to reduce the stress in your life? And if the answer is no, then I mean, that might impact how quickly you're healing. So that's a lot of the things that one can do for themselves. What about the th other items like passive mobilities that may require uh, external forces to aid you in your healing process? So passive modalities, there is a place for them for sure. And ultimately, I think this, ultimately, there's nothing wrong with passive modalities. I think they can be very beneficial for a lot of people. And I mean, myself included, I, I think that people should explore everything with an open mind. And if they feel benefits from it, then yeah, keep doing it. But I think what the problem becomes is that there's an over-reliance on passive modalities. I think people just think, oh, you know, tweak this or tweak that. I just need to go get it adjusted or I need to go get it cupped or I need to go get it scraped or, you know, something, something like that. Um, what's actually going to take you further long term is going to be those active modalities. You know, ultimately, you know your body better than anybody else. And so the active modalities where you are telling your brain certain things is going to take you much further longer term than just someone poking you or wh whatever. Cause it's that communication that's going to create the longer term pathways that are going to make you a better mover and make it more likely that you're going to be able to mitigate, mitigate injury. So, Still, so going back to this with, as we said a little bit earlier, perspective on where we came from, 
leveling up from a setback can be a little bit daunting at first, but like what are, how can someone go about achieving all these, go searching these out or going to make themselves available to achieve all of these modalities? So I think it's important to, to like block out the noise. So as we mentioned with, again, start simple, start with, start with what you know, like, uh, along with you knowing your body better than anyone, you probably done things in the past that have worked really well for you. And it's not uncommon to get away from those in the sense that like you just get interested in other stuff and whatever, but know that you probably have the answers for yourself. Uh, and then again, know that your body wants to heal. Um, it's always looking for that. Uh, but then the last piece, and this is, I think a crucial one is there's so much information out there that can pull you in so many different directions. And this goes hand in hand with like, you knowing you better than anyone else. So, and I've been victim of this as well, where, you know, it's like, I have a plan and then I see something else or I, you know, see someone doing something else that seems to work for them. And I'm like, Oh shoot, maybe I should do that. But really like stick to stick to what, you know, works for you, see that through and then also give it time. Right. So there's no question that if there is an injury, whatever it may be, that it will take time for your body to come back from that. But as long as you're doing what you know works for you, you'll get there. It might just take, it might just take a little bit. Understand. So I, uh, understanding the, the process of which this, this happens when you're listening to your body, what are some like key points that you can kind of take into account that may help you as well with helping you block out the noise or helping you figure out, Hey, is this working or Hey, I should, I should stick to my guns on this. Yeah. So there's a concept, uh, that's called poking the pain. And this is a very common, commonly accepted thought in therapy. And it's basically the idea that you kind of need to work a little bit into the pain again, one primary reason being that like your body is telling your brain like, Hey, this is okay. We're safe. We're going to be fine. And that then builds confidence and trust between your brain and your body to, to continue to do movements like that. There obviously is like when you're rehabbing from something, good pain and bad pain. And with time, I think most people can figure out what that is, right? Like if you do a a set of deadlifts after again, like a a back thing and you get out of the set and it feels much worse than, well, maybe you just are not quite ready for that yet. Whereas like if you do a set and you can kind of feel it, you know, a little bit, and obviously you sense that there is trauma there and whatever. Um, but like you do the set and you get out and you're like, you're fine. Then like, that's maybe an example of a difference between good poking into pain and bad poking into pain. But then also keeping in mind too, that as you scale, you need to be willing to adjust when needed. So again, with that previous example, if you do those sets of deadlifts and you're like, this just, it's not feeling right. It's not feeling ready. Then be willing to adjust to something else. And maybe it's just like some spinal movement for a session, you know, or crawling or something like that, just to get some movement in and and make the area continue to feel better. 
with that in mind, and touching back to what you said earlier, I know you're a few weeks past the acute injury that you obtained while doing jiu-jitsu. What can you give the audience as a, a last little bit here to understand how they can approach this and how they can how they can get around there but using your experience to help them guide that that situation along yeah so like in terms of what i've been doing since this happened immediately after the goal was like to try to just reduce pain and restore movement as much as possible so basically the approach i took for that was move the area as much as the body will allow so on the ground doing uh, cat cow, or just like trying to segment my spine again, as much as my body would allow. So I wouldn't push the range into something that would be extremely painful, especially right afterwards. I mean, I did rest it. So found a position of rest that was comfortable and spent time there, but I walked a lot. So kept movement as part of your priorities. Yeah. So like I would still try to go for an hour walk, if not a little bit more, just because too, like when I would do that, it would just feel much better. And who knows, like being out in nature and everything like that. I would also work through a spinal hygiene routine. So this is another one kind of learned this from, uh, Dr. Tommy John. And so it's basically like, just kind of like six different ways in which you move the spine flexion, side bending, extending all that stuff. So I would do that again in ranges that my body would allow for at that time. So now at this point I'm seven weeks out and you know, it's continued to heal and it's continued to feel better week on week. It still is like, you know, I'm still restricted to compare it to compared to where I was before, but now I'm getting into a point where I'm starting to try to push the limits a little bit. So rebuilding some basic strength and then prioritizing areas of weakness. So high reps on my hips and my spine, and especially my left hip, my left hip has been something that continues to kind of surface as an area that needs to be addressed. So trying to do super high reps of, of work on that and the spine. So like the spinal hygiene will do minimum of a hundred reps a day. But then, like I said, kind of building into some of those other movement patterns of like crawling, been doing a lot of hanging, eventually running, skipping, rolling, like things like that. And trying to add in the variability that will continue to provide that foundation that allows me to then pursue those, those goals that I want to achieve. And with that, avoid the bullshit. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan, that is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y-B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.